And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today is Dr. John Vance. Hello. Well, John, it's nice to have you here today. Oh, it's great to be here. (laughs) Before we opened the mic, we were having a great discussion, and I I wonder if maybe we should have had the mics running at (laughs) at that time. But, you know, it wasn't long ago when we celebrated Pentecost uh, in the church, just a wonderful time to consider how the Holy Spirit was sent from God to his people um, on that important day in our church's history. And um, many churches celebrate that uh, on a yearly basis, and certainly we we do. Um, we did talk about Pentecost on a previous Plain Answer program, and we, at that time, we said, you know, we should follow up. Um, there's so much more to talk about here regarding God, the Holy Spirit, and his activities uh, among his church. Um, so that's what we want to do today. And um, let me just ask you this. Um, what is meant by th- – there's a number of phrases used in the Bible um, in conjunction with the Holy Spirit and a common phrase is gifts, or the gift of the Holy Spirit. And maybe just to get us started, we could talk about that a little bit. Sure. I'll start out by saying this and then get the gifts in a second. Uh, the Holy Spirit, of course, uh, is the third person of the Trinity, equal in power and glory to the Father and the Son. There is no subordination. But his, his coming is to speak of Christ uh, and of the glory of God. And uh, it says there in Romans, uh, in uh, chapter 5 there, that the Holy Spirit has been poured out in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is actually himself a gift from the Father. He sends the Holy Spirit. Uh, And, of course, there's a debate whether the Son also sends the Spirit, or is it the Holy Spirit being sent through the Son, or does the Holy Spirit to originate from the Son. Mm-hmm. That's the difference between Eastern and Western Christianity. Right, yeah. And in the Nicene Creed, it's it's uh, called the filio clause, which simply means and the Son. And um, Eastern Christians understand the gift of the Holy Spirit is sent from the Father through the Son. Oh. So that's, that's just it's a, a little thing. It's a fine distinction. fine distinction, but it's actually very important in the yeah. long run. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nonetheless, uh, the Holy Spirit is a gift, and he gives gifts unto his children. When Jesus ascended on high, he gave gifts, and on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit descended upon the early church, he not only empowered them, but he also gave gifts mm-hmm. and equipped uh, the members of the body of Christ uh, to be able to represent and serve Christ on earth. We're actually very blessed, aren't we, the fact that uh, God sent his Holy Spirit to us. I'm thinking of um, one of the excerpts from the New Testament where Christ is talking about the works that he did, and then he said, greater works than these Mm -hmm. you will do. Why? Because I send uh, the Spirit. You know, in a way you say, oh, I I wish Jesus was still here physically, and yet, um, no, it's actually better that he ascended on high and he sent his Holy Spirit. Uh, Amen. The, The gifts of the Holy Spirit equip the members of the body of Christ, the church, to minister in Jesus' name, and I hope people get that. We we represent Christ to the world. He does minister through us, and he's empowered and equipped us mm-hmm. 
to be able to do that. And he does say that you will do greater works. And, of course, we can see that the spread of Christianity uh, has uh, spread throughout the earth. Remember that in Jesus' day, uh, he had disciples, and the uh, understanding of him was confined to a very small circle. But when we get to Pentecost, there were uh, in the diaspora, Jews came mm-hmm. from various places and countries, and the Holy Spirit fell. And of course, they went back and began to talk in the flaming tongues. For instance, mm-hmm. was a sign that we would speak of the truth and holiness of God, and enable yeah. us to speak of Christ and His gospel. The uh, evidence, if you will, of many people coming to Christ over the centuries, uh, I think, is a wonderful example of what Christ predicted would happen that greater works than these mm-hmm. you know it, it's a beautiful thing now there's also besides the word gifts and i know we didn't get into that too much yet um there's also the phrase fruit or fruit of the spirit and uh, oh yes we, we should talk about that as well right uh, you find you find uh, in the new testament uh certain places talks about the fruit of the spirit and uh, one, the classical text is probably in Galatians. It is, yeah. Uh, but there are other places mm-hmm. where the fruit of the Spirit is mentioned. Uh, I think you have a Bible there. What? What? Yeah, I had it opened ahead of time before we turned on the mics to um, Galatians 5, starting with verse 22, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, And it says, against such there is no law. And it says fruit. It's singular, isn't it? (laughs) Singular. It's all the same thing. It's actually uh, the mark of the Christian is not the gift of the Spirit per se. se. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gifts uh, represent powers. But if you want to say, how do I know I'm filled with the Spirit? It's not your ability. It is what you are. (laughs) And the fruit is character. God is working in us the very character of Christ. We, mm-hmm. we are growing into his image. And so the the fruit of the Spirit is actually much more emphasized uh, with respect to the Holy Spirit character than anything else because we're being conformed to the image of Christ mm-hmm. through the power and work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. I suppose it would be a good guideline. Let's say you're you're in church, and uh, inevitably, you know, there's going to be frictions in life, including in the church. And uh, you say, you know, am, am I really walking in the spirit? Well, this would be a really good little checklist to mm-hmm. uh, to read and uh, prayerfully read, you know, for myself, and say, you know, am am I responding in love to that one who has perhaps offended me, or have I been especially unkind? to somebody, when they keep asking me a question, I don't want to hear that question again, well, that's where patience comes in and long-suffering. Um, this is this is great for um, relations in the body of Christ. The, uh, the evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit is love. Yeah. And Jesus says, uh, uh, by love, uh, people shall know that you are my disciples. He even says God is love, and when he pours out his love in our hearts and lives, the test of your your having received the Holy Spirit is uh, more set forth in your relationships mm-hmm. with others. Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Do you love God and neighbor? Those relationships have to be right, and that has to do with fruit mm-hmm. and character. And a person can be 
uh, of poor character even and possess certain powers and gifts. So I think we've got the emphasis, if you will, on the wrong syllable when we think that the gifts demonstrate the presence of the Holy Spirit and his work. Uh, and they do to some extent. But it really resides essentially in the fruit of the Spirit, mm-hmm. what you are. Yeah. It's also consistent with um, the righteous demands of God's moral law. Earlier in this chapter, uh, Paul would tell the Galatians, he says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on to say, Walk in the Spirit, and you mm-hmm. shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So there's relationship to neighbor and relationship to God. And it, it's interesting that it is the power of the Spirit in our life in developing character that enables us if you will, to fulfill the law's demands. Mm. Now, not in the sense that we will be sinless. Christ alone mm-hmm. could do that and fulfill the law's demands mm-hmm. in that sense. But fulfilling, uh, there's no law against uh, goodness and charity and patience and temperance and mm-hmm. those things, he says mm-hmm. in another place. I guess the, um, I'm just thinking back historically, the Galatians was written because there were some who tried to teach that you could be justified by the keeping of the law. Yes. Uh, it's it's a particularly hot topic, I believe, among Lutherans. Uh, you know, they, 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 they understand, I think, mm-hmm. rightfully so, what uh, Paul was driving at here in the book of Galatians. But getting back to the Spirit and uh, the fruit of the Spirit, we have no excuse. We need to have this fruit. Um, it, and it comes from, from God. It's not something that we work up on ourselves, but but I think by my own sin, I can grieve the Holy Spirit. Oh, sure. You know, and I Your can, behavior can grieve the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, so this is a wonderful reminder that, that we are to be Christ-like. Um, today we're talking about the Holy Spirit. It's a follow-up to a previous discussion we had uh, regarding Pentecost. We need to take a short break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 
one two four six one. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf in the studio with me today, Dr. John Vance. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, John, before the break, we had um, gone into a little bit uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Do you have some more thoughts now uh, about that, maybe tied back also to the gifts of the Spirit? I think St. Augustine's famous prayer, which set uh, Pelagius' teeth on edge, uh, St. Augustine, he read where St. Augustine wrote this prayer, O Lord, command what you will, but give what you command. And uh, God does command, and it is through the power of the Spirit, his giving of his Holy Spirit, that we are enabled uh, to live the Christian life and to bear fruit. And that is important. And I would say to our charismatic, more charismatically inclined brothers and sisters out there, where uh, there is a emphasis upon more than I would have in um, in demonstrating that the Spirit is in our midst by power, when in fact uh, the one true essential, uh, if you will, mark that the Holy Spirit is in our midst is through love, and um, and when we come to the power of the Spirit and the, if you will, the gifts of the Spirit, there are two kinds, of course. Ordinary gifts that are enhanced through the Spirit and exceptional gifts or miraculous gifts, if you will, miraculous works. And I think we also have some uh, maybe disagreement or at least different emphasis on that aspect, too, uh, at least traditional Protestants do. Um, I think it's important that um, we uh, get along. You know, I I don't want to say that glibly, but... um, Sometimes, um, if you're convinced of a position, you can make someone else feel very uncomfortable and almost make them feel less than Christian because they don't quite see it your way. You know, there's a tendency among Reformed or Lutheran or uh, Roman Catholics or Pentecostals, uh, Charismatics, Mm -hmm. to, in one sense, take something that they are emphasizing and use that to look down on other Christians. Well put. In the Reformed tradition, it's the doctrine of election. election. Yeah, you sure in uh, the Roman Catholic Church, it, it probably is the sacramental life. Right. In the Lutheran Church, it's probably uh, the salvation by grace through faith, through faith alone, the solas yes. oh, yeah. at the Reformation. Um, and in Pentecostalism and in the charismatic circles, it's we have the fullness or baptism of the Spirit. Sure. And, of course, uh, uh, people uh, in traditional Protestants just need to take a step up. Mm-hmm. And we got a little something more than they do. Sure. 
So, yes, we, we tend to do that to we exalt ourselves. We need to be ourselves. cautious it's, and, and respectful of others and realize, well, we don't really have an edge on Christianity. I mean, if if we have the basics in common, that's that's like 95%. That's 95% of it. The rest of it is enhancement or in yeah. perfect, perfecting the faith. So I would just encourage love. Yes. Love towards the brethren. It covers a multitude yeah. of sins. Yeah, and, and we have plenty of that. Um. Talk about the spirit, um, the distinctions individually versus corporately for a moment. Well, I think a lot of Christians don't understand that the Holy Spirit is being given in two ways. Uh, first and foremost, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given corporately to the church. And there is a corporate side to the giving, and you must share in the life of the church to share in the fullness of the Spirit in this way. The Holy Spirit, of course, also is being given individually to the individual. We have received the fullness uh, of the Spirit. And so uh, it is the individual life that most of us, since we focus more on individualism in modern-day America than anything else, we tend to focus on my relationship with the Spirit. Mm -hmm. But it is also true it's important to understand that we have to have a relationship with the body of Christ to receive, if you will, another and fuller dimension of the Holy Spirit in worship, in the sacraments, uh, in the mission and work of the church. Mm -hmm. You need that dimension. And if you're not participating in the Spirit in that way, in just an individualistic way, uh, should I say you're impoverished? Mm. I wonder if there's also a uh, historically a kind of a pendulum that shifts back and forth where um, we've had maybe more formal worship in the past and um, maybe that has deteriorated, and uh, people lost the relationship aspect that they were to have with respect to Jesus. Um, and then in seeking that, let's say um, the emphasis of Billy Graham, and I'm, I'm putting it in its best possible light, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, maybe the pendulum now swings a little too far the other direction where it's all personal and we're losing the necessity of the corporate life. Um, we cannot play the individualism that you see in the New Testament off against the corporate yeah. aspect and working. But in times past, probably there was all corporate and no individual. Yeah. And it's also true now. We tend to be all individual and no corporate. Right. It's, it's You can't play one off against the other because if you are to, to – uh, Walk in the spirit in the fullest sense of the word. It needs to be done in fellowship with others. Because you can't really fulfill the two great commandments, love God and love your neighbor, apart from worshiping Mm -hmm. with your neighbor in the presence of God and also uh, loving your neighbor. It's it's done in that whole full context. Well, well, part of the corporate that is of great uh, blessing to me personally, (laughs) there's corporate and personal, is uh, the Lord's Supper. Can you talk a little bit about the Lord's Supper and the role of the Spirit in the Supper? That is a good question. Um, Of course, no individual uh, has the authority from Scripture to serve communion to themselves or to their neighbors just as you meet in your homes. Uh, There is a corporate aspect of the church where you have a relationship of authority God has committed these things to faithful men. We call them Mm -hmm. elders. Uh, And there is such a thing as corporate worship, whereby we share together the Lord's Supper. 
And in sharing the Lord's Supper, we can also discipline based on that fact. Now, mm-hmm. if this is an individual thing, you, you can't carry out any of those yeah, good elements. Moreover, the the Holy Spirit and baptism, uh, the two sacraments, mm-hmm. dominical sacraments that everyone recognizes that Jesus established, is too a sacrament of the Holy Spirit. Mm. He gives them value and edification by his presence. Otherwise, they are dumb, if you will, mm. symbols. They're, uh, the Spirit must energize and be present and make things alive. Right. Right. And so uh, Cal- John Calvin, let me invoke him, emphasized the importance of the role of the Spirit in the sacramental life of the church. That's why when you preach the word, you pray for God's Holy Spirit to come to open hearts and to mm-hmm. energize that word he's given. That's why at the Lord's table, you have an invocation of the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Yes. Creator uh, and Redeemer, he applies redemption, mm-hmm. to come and set apart what is common to this holy use of mystery which is in Christ. Mm. Moreover, there is a wonderful verse in, in Calvin's uh, theology. He talks about at the moment when we commune with Christ, we are lifted up and seated in heavenly places by the power of the Spirit. Right. So the Holy Spirit is absolutely necessary in the observance of the sacraments of the church. That teaching has helped me personally uh, as I participate in the corporate body. Is It, it kind of keeps me on track that, that God, by his Spirit, uh, lifts me up into the heavenlies where I partake in a spiritual way mm-hmm. of the body and blood of Jesus. It kind of covers everything and without getting me off into the weeds one way or the other, it seems. Yes, and there's a wonderful formulation of uh, that being lifted up in heavenly places that the early church used. It's called the Sersen Corda. Yes. You, you, we use it and you've used it. Lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. Right. Uh, so that's the origin of that. Yes, yes. It's in the early church. It's huh. uh, used in Calvin in his institutes actually takes that and and teaches the Lord's Supper in that context. Mm. I love the Lord's Supper, and some of you are going to get mad at me, but I, I, I personally would prefer the Lord's Supper to be celebrated every Lord's Day. <laughs> I, I would I'll just throw that out there for what it's worth. Um, the Holy Spirit is um, so important to the life of the church. Um, he's also important in terms of missionary endeavor and the growth of the church worldwide. Uh, any thoughts on that? The, the most dramatic uh, growth in Christianity today is taking place in Pentecostal circles in Latin America and Africa. And I think people are attracted mm-hmm. uh, to the power of God. Right. But that needs to be, if you will, informed as well. And I think sure. today what um, the teaching church can do is to, if you will, a fire is a wonderful thing, isn't it, mm-hmm. if it's controlled. The church, the mission of the church is the mission of the Holy Spirit as he applies Christ. And Christianity is growing, but in some places it needs, if you will, to put the fire in the hearth so that it doesn't do damage. And uh, I have a lot of friends who are developing curricula and other things for third world countries where mm. Christianity is really growing. Yeah. And to set up training centers so that we can eliminate the paganism, if you will, from what is truly yes. Christian. Yes. Um, so, yes. yeah, the Holy Spirit is doing a work in our midst today through us that only the judgment will reveal. Mm. Well, today we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. He is the third person of the Trinity. 
Um, we are Trinitarian Christians, and um, maybe just a summary thought. We're just about at the end of our discussion today um, as, we, as we close out. Good uh, suggestion you made there at the end, Dan. I'll pick up on it. Uh, we are Trinitarian Christians. Uh, we don't focus on the Holy Spirit in the same way we do Jesus because uh, Jesus says he will testify of me. Mm. And so the focus is on the Father and the Son more than the Spirit, but we should never forget that the Lord is doing everything through his Spirit because the Spirit, in a real sense, is the presence of Christ, or as mm. it says in the book of Acts, the Spirit of Jesus in our midst. Mm. Maybe you have a question for Dr. Vance. We would entertain your question. Please use our email address, and that address is ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. And when I receive your email, I'll forward it on here to uh, JLV, as he's affectionately called behind the scenes, and uh, those are his initials. Um, And um, maybe we'll uh, be able to get an answer back to you. I'm sure we will. Uh, This is Redeemer Broadcasting. It's a plain answer. This entire episode is up on our website. Check it out. It's found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. Just look under the tab entitled Resources. And for Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. Please join us next week at this same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. Now faint.